0: passage today is Romans, as you can see up there, chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news, which he promised long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and who has been declared to be the powerful son of God by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness. We have received grace and apostleship through him to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations on behalf of his name including yourselves, who also belong to Jesus Christ, by calling to all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his Son, is my witness that I constantly mention you always asking in my prayers that if somehow, in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now I want you to know, brothers, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the good news to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith.
1: Is good. All right. We'll have your Bibles handy, and we have the luxury of a, a sermon outline as well on the back of your newsletter. So, uh, if that's helpful, uh, fill that in as we go along, and uh, you'll be able to perhaps help you keep track of um, my chain of thought. How about we pray together, and then we'll begin. Dear Father, we ask this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us uh, through your powerful word. Please give us open ears and give us soft hearts so that we would come to know you better, uh, that we would respond to you with trust, and that we would serve you with joy. Amen. So what is power? What is power? Power is, a, is it an energy, uh, like a force, like uh, electricity. Um, is power to you, um, a position of power like the President of the United States uh, or the power of a machine. So they, I'm always impressed by those giant drilling machines that they use to put in the tunnels and the, the, the motorways through the mountains. Uh, the power of nature, so earthquakes and cyclones and storms with lightning and thunder and the wind blowing, uh, volcanoes, that, 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 that immense pressure and forces and energy that's in the earth's crust erupting up through the surface uh, in, the, in volcanoes. Um, there's lots of ways that uh, people experience power, um, but what these, all these things have in common is this. Power is uh, something that creates change. Power makes things move, if you like. Well, the Apostle Paul wrote... Oh, there he is already. Look at that. Um, the Apostle Paul wrote... I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. It's a pretty big statement. Uh, But most people in the world today, uh, uh, you'd have to say, remain unconvinced or even totally oblivious to this power of God. To to most people in the world, of course, God seems powerless. Uh, You know, if there really is a God, well, God's distant, he's in his heaven, uh, you know, while well, down here we're struggling uh, with, uh, as, a, as a humanity, we struggle with war and we struggle with death and we struggle with sickness and disaster. Um, people keep doing horrible things to other people and, uh, uh, and and also people just basically ignoring God and yet God seems to uh, be unwilling or unable to do anything about it. Uh, and so we end up in this fallback position where uh, People say, well, nothing changes for the better unless we, people, do something about it. Uh, and you and I, to be honest, will often doubt God's power too. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I would say that there are things that in your life that you've been probably been praying for for a long time, and yet it doesn't seem to get better, or in some cases actually it seems to be getting worse, in fact. Uh, So these problems uh, happen. And we Christians, you know, we have struggles the same as everybody else. It's not like, oh, you're God's people and so he fixes everything up. It's not quite as clear as that, is it? And so we we sort of start to, to, you know, can doubt God's power. Uh, I can't help but think, and it does remind me of my growing up pre-Christian days when I used to go into the church, the Catholic church, and I'd think, oh, you know, we should just kind of spin something around so we could prove that he was there and he was listening or, you know. But wouldn't it be great um, if we, you know, if we saw God do some truly miraculous display of power? So, you know, all those stories in the Bible, you know, the, the, the plagues of Egypt or Moses parting the Red Sea and going up and then walking through the drier land, you know, all those powerful miracles in the New Testament, the ones that Jesus did and the apostles. Um, but Jesus, you know, raising Lazarus from the dead, um, you know, feeding uh, the, the 5,000 with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. What, a, what an amazing, would it be great to have been in that crowd to have seen and experienced uh, Jesus' power that way? That would be something. Uh, well, one man who did experience the power of God in a, in a very uh, unusual way was the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was a Jew, he was a Pharisee, he was a persecutor of the early Christian church and yet he had a very spectacular encounter with uh, the risen Lord Jesus and he became one of the apostles. Um, now, in Paul's day, when you thought of power, you thought of Rome. Rome. Rome, the city of Rome, was the heart of a vast empire, Uh, over a million citizens, uh, enormous wealth coming in, uh, a vast trade and tribute coming from all over the world, and of course the emperor of Rome, the most powerful person in the world uh, living there. Uh, And Paul wrote this uh, letter that we call Romans to the the Christians who were living there. Now he wrote it to encourage them, Uh, he wrote it to teach them, uh, he wrote it to address some problems that were, uh, they were having in that early church in Rome because like churches everywhere in every age, this church in Rome was having a few problems, uh, but also to get their help and their support for his journey to Spain. So if you imagine for where he was going to Rome, you know, the other side of the known world was Spain and that's where Paul was going and he needed their help and support. So there's some very practical reasons, if you like, for Paul to write to the Romans. But you can't help noticing as you read Romans, and uh, can I just say we're going to be looking at the whole book of Romans over the next number of months, Um, what a great thing to be reading the book of Romans at home in your own time as we go along. So rather than just turning up on Sunday and going, oh, oh we're reading Romans 1, 1 to 17 and oh, and listening to the talk, how about you get in the habit of reading through the whole book of Romans so that you get a good feel for the whole book, the book as a whole. That would be a great thing to do. Uh-oh. Anyway, you can't help but noticing as you read that this letter that we call Romans is, is uh, all about something which is, Paul calls the good news, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that the gospel that Paul says is the power of God. So, what is this good news and where does its power come from? Well, first of all, I want you to notice as you re- we were reading chapter 1 that it is... It is good news, but it is not just good news. It is actually God's good news. That is, it is from God. So the apostles didn't make it up. Uh, one of the things that uh, people sometimes say to you when you start talking about the Bible, they go, is it true, blah, blah, blah. And really what they're saying is the apostles you know, probably made it up. But this isn't the apostles. This is actually God's good news. Uh, it is his news Uh, And uh, we know that uh, particularly verse 2 says that this good news is actually promised to us in the Old Testament, in the scriptures uh, from the prophets long before the time of the apostles. Uh, It's a good idea to keep in mind also as we talk about the gospel uh, that that we tend to think about the gospel message but of course the whole of the Bible is the gospel, yeah? Yeah. And what is this gospel, this good news about? Well, we can see here that fundamentally uh, it's about two things. So uh, verse 3, it concerns Jesus. And verse 5, that it brings about something. It makes a change. What's the change? Well, it brings about the obedience of faith. But first and foremost, so this is about Jesus, who he is. Uh, There is a lot of ideas out there about who Jesus is. Uh, You know, people talk about him being a wise man. People talking about him being a fictional character. People say he's just a man. You go to other religions, they talk about Jesus being a prophet. So Muslims uh, have an understanding of who they think Jesus is. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, all sorts of different people out there have different ideas about who Jesus is. So really, really important question. Who exactly is he? Verse 3, I hope, maybe not. No, can you switch that one for us, Jeff? He's died. Something said. Okay, verse 3, you're just going to have to listen. Uh, this is uh, God, God's good news. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh. Pretty short sentence. Okay, so a few things about Jesus there. First of all, uh, it is his son, God's son. So Jesus isn't just a son, he is God's son. Uh, Clearly someone very unique and very special in God's plans. Um, now, the term God's son can be interpreted different ways and can therefore be a bit misleading in our ears. So, but I think if you uh, think about it, what Paul's saying about God's son here, it will help to have a look at Psalm 2 from the Old Testament. Is it coming back to work? Can you flick to the next one, please? Psalm 2 from the Old Testament. I have consecrated my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and you will shatter them like pottery. So to be God's son uh, uh, is another way of saying that he is uh, the king that God has chosen to powerfully rule in his name over all the nations, all the nations of the world. So God's son. But it's not just God's son. Jesus is also Jesus Christ. Um, a good idea to remember at this point that Christ is not his surname. Uh, it is a title. So he's not uh, John Smith, Jesus Christ. Uh, is actually uh, Christ is actually a Greek wording for the Jewish Messiah. Uh, which means uh, God's anointed one. So, uh, particularly the promised King, who is one day going to save His people. Uh, but He's not more. Than, he's more than just God's Son and Christ. He's also our Lord. Uh, that is, He is Lord and Master. He has uh, authority. So, not just over the Jews, but over all people. So he isn't just the Jewish Messiah, he is the Lord. And he's not just the Lord, but he's our Lord. So he's the Lord of all people. He is your Lord and he is my Lord. Whether or not you acknowledge him as Lord, he still is your Lord. And he's also a descendant of David according to the flesh. That is, in his humanity, uh, Jesus is descended from King David. Now... There is another Old Testament promise tied into this. Um, God has made a covenant with King David um, that he would have a descendant who is going to uh, rule forever. And this, by the way, is also tied into Psalm 2. It's in 2 Samuel 7. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Good. Okay. When your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up after you your descendant who will come from your body. And I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me we're going to add all that that's that's just you know verse three so you know what do we said in verse three well you add it all together like Paul has and you have a very very powerful person having you a powerful figure in God's plans Jesus is Christ he is Lord he is Messiah he is saviour he's uh, God's son he's the eternal king promised by God in the old testament he is God's chosen son and that's just verse three So now we're going to add verse 4. So there we go. Okay. And who has been declared to be the powerful son of God by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness? Bit of a funny one. You kind of get a feel for it, but let's understand what, what Paul's saying here. So to do that, we go back actually to the book of Acts. So in the book of Acts, Luke tells us, The story of what happened uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection. So, you know, what what happens is Jesus uh, ascends into heaven. uh, And what happens after? Can you just remind me what happens after Jesus ascends to heaven? Starts with a P. Pentecost. Thank you. Pentecost. All right, let me refresh our memory about Pentecost. So Pentecost is where the uh, Jesus disciples, they were all gathered in one room. The Holy Spirit comes down and in tongues of flame, they've got all these tongues of flame sitting on their head. And, but in Jerusalem at the time, uh, there are Jews and Gentiles from all over the nation. So uh, including Rome, by the way, specifically mentioned in Acts. And they're, in, they're all there in Jerusalem. And all these people from all these different nations of the world, they can all hear the apostles speaking uh, in, and they can all understand them in their own language, kind of a, that reversal of, uh, of Babel from what we heard from a couple of weeks ago. Okay, uh, and so here's what Paul, procl- uh, sorry, Peter proclaims to the crowd in Acts 2. Uh, God has resurrected this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. And so that's what Paul is talking about in verse 4. They are seeing and hearing uh, the pouring out of the Spirit. So he has been declared to be the powerful Son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness. So... It's kind of like a coronation ceremony. So, you know, you average sort of average king, if there's such a thing as an average king, an average king has a coronation service uh, where they, they are declared to be king. There's a little service, you know, crowns and things, scepters and stuff. But this Jesus, who in his humanity was crucified and died, is declared by his resurrection to be the exalted son of God. It's like, a, like the resurrection is his coronation service declaration. And this is confirmed for us then by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Now, putting all of this together, this is such a super cool, awesome, amazing thing to try and get our heads around if we can. You know, Jesus is... The exalted Lord over all, the King of all kings, the exalted Lord, and he is right now ruling from heaven as the powerful Son of God. So, how then does he rule? Well, he rules this age in the power of his gospel. This is the age of the spirit. This is the age of salvation. This is the age of the rainbow, if you like, as well. And this is why God is so, why the gospel is so powerful because the the gospel's power is the power of the exalted son of God ruling right now from heaven by his spirit So the spirit and the word, the gospel, the message, they go out together. The one is the power of the other. And so they speak today, the gospel speaks today with the absolute, absolute authority of the exalted Lord Jesus, who is King and Lord over all. And has the power, therefore, to save anyone who believes. And so Paul writes in verses 16 and 17, which is a great launching pad for our Roman series. A lot of people consider it the summary verse uh, for the whole book of Romans. Uh, I I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So if you're ever wondering whether God is powerful, whether God's power is at work at this world, you know, the God's gospel is powerful to change. It's powerful to transform you. It's powerful to transform me. It's powerful to save anyone. It can bring us from death to life. It can uh, bring us to eternal life with God. And it saves us by declaring a sinful person like you and me to be righteous, right, without sin, right with God, through faith when you are saved of course it is that same gospel that has the power to change and shape and transform the way we live the way we respond so we live by faith we trust in god we live god's way according to his word how through not through our own strength but through the power of the gospel so i hope as you think about it, like you can see, first of all, why Paul is so eager. He says, I'm eager to, to preach the, the gospel to you guys in Rome. You know, I hope you can see why he's so eager to do that. And I hope you can see also why we're so keen to proclaim the gospel here in church every Sunday, you know, week in and week out. Um, I've had people in, at times go, oh, look, you know, you guys you used to always say the same thing. You know, it's the gospel this week, it's the gospel next week, it's the gospel the week after. Because it's the power of God. So we're, not, we're, not gonna, we can't, we're never going to get tired of proclaiming it. Um, but we, because we want everyone here to fully understand it and we want everyone here to, to live by it. Because that's where our power to live comes from. And can you see also why it's really, really important and vital that we, uh, we keep looking for ways to take the gospel out into our community uh, to people who aren't saved. Uh, and that might involve changing methods, and so we'll have all sorts of little de- methods in our various ministries. So our methods might change, but we're never going to change, and we must never change the message. We never change the message. Because if we change the message, we actually don't have the power of God, do we? So God is not weak. God is not uh, powerless. God is not sitting up there in heaven on his hands doing nothing. Um, you know, through this powerful gospel... In this age going out, Jesus is ruling this age and he's changing lives and he's bringing people into his kingdom. He's changing our world. And that's why our testimonies, like we just asked Sarah to share her testimony, testimonies they are so, they're so encouraging and they're so exciting because, you know, sorry Sarah, it's not, as she knows, it's not really about the person it's not about the person when someone shares their testimony what they're sharing with us is a real experience of God's power that's what they're sharing and they are you know Sarah and and any any or all of us who who are who know God as Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior you know we are we are a living we are a living breathing miracle that Jesus has performed in this world um, do you have a testimony, by the way? Um, don't all say them all now. But um, I hope you have thought about your testimony, your story. So the story of how you came to know Jesus as Lord and, you know, what you were before, what God has done, and then and then how you respond to that. Testimonies are all about God, not about you. It's just a helpful hint when you're writing your story. If it's all about me, 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 I... Uh, it, we can work with that a little bit more, but um, so, yeah, it is, it is all about uh, God. So, uh, yeah, so what I was going to say is make it a priority, uh, if you like, for, for this next couple of months as we go through uh, the Book of Romans, apart from reading Romans. Why not spend a bit of time working up your testimony? Uh, write it down, share it, maybe even uh, ask somebody their story. Uh, over morning tea or be be willing to share your story with someone over morning tea much more uh, powerful than talking about the weather perhaps okay now through the gospel uh, jesus is bringing about the obedience of faith among all the nations and and uh you know that that is the change that is happening uh ultimately what's this all about what's this all for as good news as it is for us uh it is ultimately, this is verse 5, on behalf of his name. That is, this is all to the glory of Jesus. Um, ultimately, what all of this is about is the glory of the Son of God. And so, again, we don't should be surprised. Paul says he is uh, obligated to the people of all the nations in verse 14. Um, so this news is for everyone. Verse 15, he says he is eager to, church, to uh, preach the good news to the church in Rome. So to Paul, teaching the gospel and preaching the gospel and telling others about who Jesus is, is both a duty, and obligation, but also a passion. And it's the same for us today. We are obligated to share the gospel, but it is also our passion. It's such good news to share. And it's a glorious thing, of course. Glorious, great for the person we're sharing it with, but glorious to Jesus. We glorify him uh, whenever we share The gift, the free gift of God's salvation with them, with someone who doesn't know him. So, well, did you notice, though, in verse 17, very famous verse, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Have you ever thought about that wording, I'm not ashamed, of the gospel? It's kind of a funny wording, isn't it? Not ashamed. Why did, the word ashamed is something he's got that in there. It's a funny wording. It's kind of a little bit, sort of a little bit negative, is it? Um, I think it, Paul has written it that way. Paul does everything deliberately, of figured it out. And I think he's written it that way because Paul would have been tempted not to preach the gospel. Paul would at times felt he wanted to be Ashamed, if you like. Um, if you know about Paul's uh, life and ministry, you'll know that it wasn't all beer and skittles and garden parties. Um, you know, he'd go to a town, and the Jews would uh, beat him up and try to kill him. And then, uh, then, so then he'd go to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles would then beat him up and try to kill him. Um, he was uh, he was heckled. He was sneered at. He would have been mocked. He would have been uh, spat at. Uh, at various times he was beaten, he was scourged, he was chained, uh, he was thrown in prison. So to some people uh, the gospel is weak, uh, to others it is foolish, uh, to some people it's a joke but, and to others it is just downright offensive. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, do you ever find that you are Feeling ashamed, or perhaps the word is embarrassed, of the gospel. How did, how did that? How would that come about? Well, you've been burned a few times by uh, maybe by your friends. They'd say, you know, you started to take all this religious stuff a little bit seriously, uh, a bit too seriously. Uh, you raise uh, you know try to raise a conversation to try and get a bit of a conversation about Jesus going and they totally avoid a sidestep the subject um, if you've ever tried this you'll know they check if people change the topic um, uh, people will say to you oh that's good for you but I don't really need that right now you know uh, or or I don't you know I don't I, I think religion's an emotional crutch. I don't think oh, I don't need an emotional crutch. I'm going quite well, thank you very much. Um, or, or people get offended. They go, look, you know, I don't need you telling me how, could, how to live. They understand it as some sort of a moral thing that you're imposing morality on them. Um, you know, or uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the most interesting one I've had is, uh, you know, someone saying, I, I can't believe that an intelligent person like you would fall for this. That's the beauty of that one. Actually, it just feels so good when someone says that to you. Um, so w- w- what happens, of course, you know, as time goes along, is uh, we-, we can start to lose our confidence, our assurance in the... In the- not for ourselves, but in speaking it to others. Uh, so we doubt its power. Uh, we, f- we fear the response we're going to get. Uh, and so we start to maybe avoid taking the risk. Um, you know, our mouths start to maybe glue shut a little bit and we kind of hesitate and we kind of go... Oh no! That's this is not the right moment. I won't say anything. It's not you know, that's how it goes. And so we become we become ashamed. We become embarrassed. We become self-conscious. Uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, tomorrow, back in the real world, tomorrow, as it as it were, you know, someone asks you how what you do on the weekend, and what are you going to say, you know. Um, are you going to go, oh, yeah, I, I went to the cricket or I uh, or, uh, watched the rugby? Um, I mean, I went to, we went to dinner, uh, lunch yesterday and uh, for my brother's birthday. It was very nice. I could talk about that quite easily. It was very pleasant. Um, but what about when someone says, what do you do on the weekend? Well, oh, well we went to church because, you know, we go to church you know, pretty much most Sundays and uh, we heard this great sermon about, well, okay, not great. We heard this sermon about... <laughs> about who Jesus is and, and you know, uh, and what he's doing right now and about the gospel and how powerful it is. And it's amazing, you know. But will you say that to someone or will you talk about the cricket or the, what you had for lunch and so forth? It's crazy, isn't it? It's ridiculous, this is this wonderful, uh, wonderful proclamation, powerful proclamation, the power of the Lord Jesus. And this is amazing good news and it's for everyone and we hide it or we uh, avoid it or we ignore it because we we are worried about being uh, embarrassed or disliked. And Apostle Paul was tempted that way too. But in the end though, what does he say? He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. He took his stand. He took his stand for Jesus. He took his stand with Jesus. He took his stand in the power of Jesus. Because, you know, at the end of the day, this either is good news or it isn't. It either is for everyone or it isn't. So where do we stand? Where do you stand? In your heart, you've got to ask yourself, where do I stand? Because there is a mighty power, and whether you are, whatever you're going in your heart and your mind, we are part of something huge. There is a mighty power at work in this world, and it is making changes and in individuals and in humanity that are going to last into eternity, for eternity. And its source and its subject are Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So do not be ashamed of the gospel, because it truly is God's power. And it is truly good news for everyone who believes. Amen.